0: So, Father, God, we love you, and we thank you for worship. How fun is it that we get to get up on a Sunday morning and to sing our heads off at you, God? We thank you for the privilege we have to worship you, and may we remember that it is a privilege it 's not something we, we have to do it 's not a dutiful thing god it's we get to love you because we get to, and so, as we dive into your word this morning, Lord, we pray that you would speak to each one of us in exactly the way. That you need to speak to us because each of us is in a different place, God. But that's what's amazing about your word is you can take the same passage and preach 85 different sermons to whomever you choose, God. And so give us ears to hear this morning what you want to say to us, God. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and and man, it's a one o'clock Steeler game. and We got a packed house. I'm impressed. Good job, church. That's good. That's good. Pray for the Steelers. So, um, so we're so glad that you guys are here this morning. We're in our sermon series called, What on Earth Am I Here For? And it is a question that we all ask of ourselves. We ask, what was I created for? And so over the next 20 minutes or so, I want to encourage you to take out a pen and a paper and I want to encourage you to take notes, write down some of the points that we're making because if you're in small groups, you know that you're going to be learning more about this in the coming uh, small group session. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, it's not too late to sign up. Go ahead and and you can meet Pastor Bob in in the little greeting area out there after the service and I want to encourage you to do so. But we are in a series called What on Earth Am I Here For? And we found out over the past few weeks that we have several purposes in our life. One of those purposes is that we are created by God to worship God. We're created for God's pleasure. We're created to be the objects of His affection, and He just wants us to worship Him. So one of your purposes for life, one of the reasons you're alive, is to bring glory to God. The second one we talked about is fellowship. So people will say to me, well, you know, all Christians do is they want to hang out together. That is correct. Christians should want to be in fellowship together because one of our purposes as Christians is to be a people of fellowship. God created us as a family and he desires for us to be together. One day when we die and go to heaven, we are going to be in eternity together forever. God did not create you to be an isolationist. He created you For community, he created you as a part of his family, and fellowship is your second purpose. The purpose we learned about last week was discipleship. You know, when you are called to Christ, you're not just called to become a convert of Christ, but when you convert to Christianity, when you begin to follow Jesus, that means you're now a student of Jesus. And as we learned last week through our trials and through our tribulations, through our temptations and through life, we are students of Christ. We interact with people and God teaches us through our relationships with people. But God also teaches us with His Word. So it's important for us as believers to have this book in our hands to be studying it. But it's also important to remember that God did not call you to be to lock yourself in an ivory tower with this infinite wisdom and just be a scholar. He called you to be a scholar, a disciple, who would then become an apostle, which is a messenger, one who goes with the message. And so as believers, we're called to be discipled. We're called to grow in our knowledge and understanding of the faith, not so that we can keep it to ourselves, but so that we can go out and be the hands and feet of God. See, that purpose is called ministry. And each and every one of us has been created for this fourth purpose, Ministry. There's a great story that N.T. Wright, a theologian, uh, tells in regards to our scripture today. He says there was a group of seven friends. One of those friends was an accountant. Another one was a business guy. Another one was human resources. And they were all very successful at what they had learned how to do in their life. But as friends, they began to do hobbies together, they began to do life together, and there, there rose about from their friendship this, this understanding that they all really loved plants. They really loved gardening. And so in spite of what the world was telling them, the world says, just keep your jobs, you're successful, you can be gardeners on your own time, they just felt this calling inside of them as friends that, hey, you know what, we all love gardening, let's, let's pull our resources together, let's pull our gifts and talents together, and let's, opening a, let's open a garden center. Now, there wasn't a gardening center within 20 miles of where they were at, so they thought this would be a pretty great opportunity. And so what they did is with their group of seven, they went through and they said, okay, this person, uh, person one, is really good at, at growing the plants. This guy's got a greener thumb than Kermit the Frog. So naturally, what we're going to do with this person is we're going to make him the one who's in charge of all the gardening. Makes sense, right? The next person, uh, there's the next two people, in fact, were people who were really gifted and talented with their bank account. They were really gifted and talented at at, at the different marketing things. And so what happens is, is the group says, well, we're going to take you two and we're going to put you in charge of kind of the business plan and the financial stuffs of the business. You know, you love plants too, and you're okay at growing plants, but he's really good at growing plants, so we're going to let him grow plants. He can't even manage his own checkbook, person one. And so we're going to take you two who are really gifted at this, and we're going to let you run the finances of our new business. There were two others who were very business savvy. They were very smart when it came to marketing. They were very smart in, in how to lay the store out and, and how to best get the information out about who they were. And they could go out and they could actually find business amongst different nurseries and different places like that. So being that their guilt, their gift set, they were then put in charge of doing that stuff. And then there was this one guy. We'll call him person number seven. This guy was good at... Everything. He was just, he knew a little bit about everything, um, but was really kind of a master of none. And so he was part of the family, and 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 so they, they thought to themselves, well, do we give him a section of the garden to take care of? Because we could do that, but we run the risk of him killing our plants. Or, or we could put him in with the finance people, but then we run the risk of him kind of messing up the books. We could put could put him in charge of sales and some of the marketing stuff, but You know, it's not really his gift set. Well, what can we do with this guy? Well, they said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make him the connection between all of those points, and we'll make him the leader of the whole venture. And so what happens is, is this, this thing just thrives. Their, their gardening center takes off and it's a tremendous success because what they did was they took the gifts and the talents of each and every person in the group, not thinking, well, maybe he could do this, but they did an honest assessment of how they were talented and they started this business. Their plants grew and it was fantastic. And T. Wright asks the question in this story. He says, What would have happened if they would have taken Kermit the Green Frog, or the Green Thumb, you know, and they would have let him hold the bank account books? The business probably would have failed miserably. What if they took one of those accountants who really love plants but don't know how to nurture and care for them and put him in charge of the plants? Well, the plants would have died and they wouldn't have had a business. It's good to see when something functions correctly, isn't it? There's a lot of us sitting in our seats, when we hear that story, we say to ourselves, well, I wish the church would function that way. I wish the church would find people's gifts and talents and then place them where they should be. Well, guess what? That is how the church is supposed to function. But all too often what happens as Christians is we like to think of ourselves differently than what we really are. Did you ever watch American Idol a long time ago when they, at the beginning of the season, they would have those terrible episodes where they would have these people come on who sounded like dying ducks? Didn't somebody love that person enough to say, you stink at singing? As a culture, we've grown so accustomed as to not hurting each other's feelings that we'd rather humiliate one another or sacrifice the health of the entire body instead of having an uncomfortable or hard conversation. And I'm here to tell you, church, As body of believers, we are called to ministry, but we're called to a proper ministry. Not a ministry that's about me. Not a ministry that makes me look good, but a ministry that's about God. And as believers, if we're in a ministry about God, we've got to take a sober look at ourselves and ask the question, why did you create me? What did you create me for, God? And the reality is, God has a purpose, a plan, and a goal for each and every one of you that he specifically designed you to do. Some of you, it's making honey. Some of you, it's bowling. Some of you, it's fishing. I don't know what it is, but God created you on purpose because there's not a single person on the planet that can ever replace what it is you bring to this family or what you do. Did you know that? The Bible passage today in Romans 12, I want to encourage you to open to it. This is a scripture that Paul's writing in his third missionary journey about 57 AD. And what's going on is you've got this Roman church that's this house church that's starting up and there's some of the people in this Roman church that are having this kind of elitist mindset. They think they're better than other people because they're near the epicenter of what's going on. And so Paul's writing to them to say, look, we're all one body. We're all significant and we all have a mission. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and start in Romans 12. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual, spiritual act of worship. This is a great example of discipleship and a great example of worship. He says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, in that time, the pattern of this world was this Romanesque culture. The pattern of this world was thinking about today. But as Christians, we're called not to simply just think about the time of now. We're called to think about eternity and the kingdom come. We're called to think about tomorrow. So as believers, if we're thinking about tomorrow, we then got to think about how are we ministering to God's people? He continues to go on and say this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. What was the last time you really took a hard look at yourself? Are you as big of a deal as you think you are? Are you as ugly as you think you are? Probably not. God's designed you on purpose and he wants you to look at yourself through his sobering lenses. Don't think of yourself more highly, and don't beat yourself up either. Just as each one of you, um, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have, um, do not all have, has Excuse me, I've got underlined so many places I can't read. Let me start over. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure that faith that God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Did you hear that? Each one of you is created on purpose, uniquely, with a certain set of gifts." And God is shaping you to do ministry. He wants you to be ministering. So when we're called to follow Jesus, you notice when he called the disciples to follow him, he didn't just give them a pen and paper and say, follow behind me and take notes. No, they got into the game. They were right with him when he was healing people. They were with them when he was raising people from the dead. They were doing the ministry as they learned. And when you decided to follow Christ, when that stirring happened in you and and Christ awoke himself in you, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not just a convert. You're now called to be a minister. And I don't want to scare you because God's not calling every single one of you to be preachers. But God has put you in a place with a platform for ministry. And each and every one of us has the purpose in life of doing ministry Last week, we learned that, that we're to be disciples of Christ, that we're to grow deeper in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus. In fact, we learned that we're to be imitators of Christ. And so if we're going to be imitators of Christ, we as believers have got to serve because that's what Jesus did. We are all one body. We all belong to one another. You guys are here to serve one another. The Bible tells us that Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. And if we're going to be Christ-like, then we've got to be serving one another in our congregation. We've got to be serving the people in our communities. And I don't even know what that looks like for you. But for each and every one of us, we have a, a purpose of ministry. A purpose to be involved to be engaged. Because as a believer, you have signed up to, to be a minister. If we're going to be ministers like Jesus, there's a couple things that we have to think about. We have to think about that the call to salvation is also a call to service. And that God's not going to put us somewhere and not prepare us. Because you see, as Rick Warren says in his book, as some of you will find out this week, God is in fact shaping each of you for ministry. For ministry. He takes this great acrostic and he breaks it down. He takes the the word shape and 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 he lays it out for us in a very easy to understand way about how we're being shaped for ministry. He says this, each one of you is going to be ministers. You're going to be ministering and God is shaping you for that. And one of the things you have to take into consideration is your spiritual gifts. How has God equipped you with spiritual gifts? If you don't know what spiritual gifts are, what I want to encourage you to do is get in a small group. Talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors on staff. We would love to talk to you about joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these good spiritual gifts, discernment. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts that God blesses us with. I challenge you to go to 1 Corinthians 12. You can read in Romans about spiritual gifts. But each and every one of you has a spiritual gift or different spiritual gifts that God wants to use to bring glory to himself. So as you're thinking about how are you shaped for ministry, the first question you have to ask is, what's my spiritual gift? The second thing you want to ask is, where's my heart? Maybe your heart is you have a tremendous love of baseball. Well, I'm going to tell you, if God puts a love of something in your heart in that way, there's an opportunity to use it for ministry. Maybe God's given you the love of gardening, God wants to use that. Maybe he's given you the love of serving people tea, or maybe it's the love of hosting a small group, or the, or the love of model building. I don't know what it is, but God puts your heart in a place for a reason. And so you have to ask yourself, God, what has God put on my heart? Has God put the nation of Haiti on my heart? Maybe he's trying to tell me something. And so as you think about your shape, you have to ask yourself, where's my heart? What has God put on my heart? For some of you, it's missions. For some of you, it might be urban impact. For some of you, it might be orphans in Egypt. Who knows? But your heart matters, and God's created your heart on purpose. What's your spiritual gift? Where's your heart? What are your abilities? Do you ever ask yourself that? What are my abilities? I would love it if Robbie and I formed a, a, a Texas praise and worship band. We'd call ourselves the beardless lumberjacks or something. I don't know. And we get up here, we would sound like dying ducks. It is not our gift. And even even though I would want that to be my gift, the reality is, is Robbie and I have been gifted to teach. And so shame on us if in our arrogance, we want to do something else because God's gifted us one way and we need to to submit to that. God has given you abilities. Some of you are the finest needlepoint people in the world. God gave you that ability to use it for ministry. Some of you are really skilled at business. Some of you are skilled at different things. You get where I'm going with this. What are your abilities? What are your spiritual gifts? Where is your heart? What has God given you the ability to do is the A. And P, what is your personality? When you're doing ministry, you've got to think about what's my personality? If you can't stand little kids, middle school ministry is not for you. So you have to take that into consideration. Amen, Pastor Robbie? You've got to think about your personality. I like to remind my wife of this one that God made me this way. That my personality is the way that it is, because God has a reason for it. There's a reason God designed me like the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz. He's gonna use that. He's gonna use my abilities, He's gonna use or my personality, excuse me, He's gonna use that to further his kingdom. And if I fight that, if I try to pretend to be somebody prim and proper who knows how to use the forks at dinner, I'm not going to be what God made me to be. If anybody wants to teach me that, that'd be great. But my personality, what is your personality? How has God wired you to be? You need to ask yourself that and then find the place that that fits. God will reveal that place to you. Don't apologize for being who you are because God has created you on purpose with a specific intention. Think about this the E in shape is your experiences. You guys know my testimony. I had a terrible childhood, but it was great in the same thing. And I wouldn't change it because God has used those experiences in my life. And God has brought some of you through some tragically hard, awful things that He wants to use in your ministry. Don't let the evil things of this world win. Take those evil things and use them for good. That's what God wants us to do. He wants to take our experiences. He wants to take our good experiences. He wants to take the moments of your life, and he wants to use them to further disciple other people. Because last week we talked about discipleship, and we said one of the ways that we learn is through our interactions, through our experiences with people. There's the disciple, and there's the teacher. Are you teaching people based upon your life experiences? Again, it's all got to be rooted in Scripture. You've got to have a heart that is surrendered to Jesus for any of this stuff to take place. Everybody clear on that? So as we're serving, we've got to understand we're shaped for ministry. And last week we learned that we're called to be imitators of Christ. And so if we're going to go out and do ministry, we've got to do ministry in the way that Jesus did ministry. And it might be different than what you think. Because a lot of times as believers, we get very caught up in our own schedules. We get very caught up in doing very good things. And so what happens is is a ministry moment arrives in our life, but we're too busy to do anything with it. And if you think about the life of Jesus, most of his miracles happened. Most of his healings happened when he raised Lazarus from the dead. These things happened when Jesus was on his way to do something else. And so the question I ask you, church, is your ministry, as you do ministry, you've got to be able to be available. Write that down. If you're going to minister like Jesus Christ, you've got to be available. That means at any given moment, your schedule's going to be interrupted. The Bible tells us that in season and out of season, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. That's why. Because if we're going to minister like Jesus Christ... We have to be available. We've got to be willing to be interrupted. We've got to be paying attention to the fact that even though we just got off of work and it's 4 a.m. in the morning and we've stopped to get gas because someone forgot to put gas in the car, and as grumpy as you may be, there may be a ministry opportunity there. And if you see it, I want to challenge you, don't pass it up because you're tired and you want to sleep on the plane. I've done that before and I've regretted it. Seize those ministry opportunities because that's Christ's likeness. Jesus was grateful for his ministry opportunities. One of the things that drive me nuts is when, and I know some people just do this to be funny, but they'll they'll do this thing at dinner when they say, okay, who's going to pray? And then they go, not it, not it, not it. I go, oh, what a missed thing. Because prayer is not something that we should look at as a duty. Just as ministry isn't looked at something as we have to do, it should be looked at as an opportunity. We should be grateful for the opportunities to minister. Amen? When Jesus would would cry out to God, he would constantly thank God for the opportunities that he was given to minister to his people. Jesus knew the cross was coming, and he still thanked him for it. Are you thankful for the opportunities that you have in your life? to do ministry. Are you faithful? There's a lot of us that have really good intentions and and we get that we're supposed to be ministers, but we're involved in so many different ministries that we're really not involved in any. Are you faithful to what God has called you to? I will challenge you to this. God is really calling you to be involved in one thing excellently. If you're involved in two things and you're doing it great, fantastic. But I ask you the question, are you faithful? Because when you're doing ministry, there are people's souls who are relying on that ministry. And Jesus was faithful when he was at his current ministry site. He wasn't thinking about the cross. He wasn't thinking about something else. He was present in the moment and he was faithful to where he was in that moment so the question I ask is, are you overcommitted to ministry to the point where you're not effective in any of them? Are you even in a ministry? Are you connected to a ministry that, based on the way you feel that night, you're going to go or you're not going to go? Because as believers, that's not how we're called to minister. We're called to be like Christ. And if we're going to be involved in a ministry, we need to be committed to it at our inconvenience. Because as we all know, the cross certainly was not convenient for the Son of God who happened to, by the way, come down from his eternal throne in heaven to this dirty place called earth. (laughs) He was faithful. Are you faithful in your ministry? Fourthly, or whateverly, are you generous? Are you generous in your ministry? One of the things I used to tell my youth leaders is that when these students come to us, We can't allow our love to falter on their failures. That we've got to love these people unconditionally, understanding that some kid may come to us pregnant. Can we still love that kid in in spite of their sin? Are we generous with our love? Are we generous with our grace? Are we generous with our forgiveness? Because remember, we first were forgiven. If we're called to be like Christ, we've got to be generous in our ministries. Christians, you are called to be generous with your money. You are called to be generous with your family. Do you give of your family to the ministry? Do you give of your home? Do you give of your time, talents, and treasures? Because Jesus gave it all. We are, too, to give everything to follow him for the sake of the ministry. I want to ask you three questions as we close here (laughs) there's the crickets it's always a great sign as a speaker (laughs) i get the point are you involved in ministry take a moment think about that are you based on what we just talked about are you serving somewhere now, like we said, every body part has a different function, and not all of you are called to be preachers. One of my favorite volunteer positions in the church is what we call the diaper changers. <laughs> what has God called you to? Are you serving in ministry? How are you serving God? Second question, how has God shaped you for ministry? Maybe you're involved in a ministry, and you can't seem to figure out why you're not connecting. Well, maybe that's not how God shaped you. Maybe God shaped you for something else. How are you shaped for ministry? And the last question I want to leave you with is what are you waiting for? As believers, we're called to be ministers, we're called to serve one another, to demonstrate love. Father, we love you and we thank you. Our purpose is ministry. Our purpose is the, the loving and the serving of one another. You gave us a great command in the word, Lord. You said, love God and love other people. And that we can demonstrate our love to you, God, by loving other people. So give us a heart for ministry. Help us to be diligent. Help us to be passionate. Help us to have excitement and zeal. Help us to do so like you, Lord Jesus. Filled with grace and mercy. And that woman grabbed your cloak... You didn't turn around and belittle her, but you healed her. When Lazarus was dead in that tomb and you were heading somewhere else, you didn't say, I'm too busy for that. I'll see him upstairs. No, he went and you cried with your friends. And then you raised him from the dead. God, help us to be faithful to your ministry. And we thank you for the privilege that you give us to serve you.